0: And uh, I'm going to jump right into this. Man, this this message is so heavy, and I'll I'll get to that in a minute. But next week, everyone say next week, Father's Day. We have Prophet Lloyd Buster that's going to be back with us. And so we're just so excited about that. Um, But today I have the privilege. uh, Me and Pastor are beginning a new series, and I, I have the privilege of Of launching that new series. How many of you have enjoyed our series on covenants? And what we're going to be talking about in this series is going to complement coming out of that one perfectly. Um, We have been feeling for some time. We've been literally having discussions for months. We feel very strongly and led of the Lord to talk about issues concerning family. And this morning, I'm going to launch this series. Uh, we're entitling this series, Your Home, Your Castle. Say that with me. Say, My Home, My Castle. We're gonna, in this series, we're going to be hitting all things marriage, kids, family, all the different dynamics and different issues concerning family. And man, it's, it's, it's more important now than it ever has been but your home your castle a couple i remember a few years ago w- w- watching that uh movie the new movie uh the new remake of the movie Robin Hood how many of you have seen the Robin Hood with Russell Crowe right not the old one with Kevin Costner but the new one with Robin Hood it's funny no matter how many no matter how many roles he plays you just when you see Russell Crowe Crow, it's always gladiator you know he's like he brings that gladiator to and he brought it to the Robin Hood character and i'll, I'll never forget in that movie He's arguing with the king. They're they're demanding rights because up until that point in history, the king's ruled with an iron fist. And they're they're debating with the king and the king looks at the crowd and he says, well, what do you want? A castle for every man? And Russell Crowe in his Russell Crowe way. He said, every man's home is his castle. And this morning, I want to talk to you about your home because, you know, your home, when you think of a castle, a castle had two primary objectives. It was number one, a castle obviously was a residence, a residence for the king and his family. Is that right? But that residence at time, the way that a castle is constructed, that residence, given the right circumstance, then becomes a defense fortification so it was both a home and a place of defense are you tracking with me and I'm going to tell you this more than ever the home family marriage and relationships are under assault like we have never seen in this country and I want to talk to you this morning and we're going to be talking about how God wants to to raise up, not only build healthy marriages, healthy families, or rebuild. Someone say rebuild. God can restore. God can make amends. God can work things. But we want to be talking about building healthy family. But also, uh, especially today, I want to provoke you today to hear the call and take up the call to defend your family. How many of you would agree with me, though, the family in this country? And we could talk about global, but I want to talk about our context. How many of you would agree with me that marriage, the family, our kids are under assault like never before? These past months have really been taking a toll on us emotionally as a nation. I mean, there's been over 220 mass shootings just since the beginning of the year. You know... When I think recently, the two that, that shook me the most was obviously the, the one in Uvalde and then the one in Buffalo. And Uvalde, those precious children and those teachers and then in Buffalo, those precious, precious people. And you're looking around and you're thinking, you know, we, I kind of mentioned some of this last week. You're looking around and you're seeing these shootings, you're seeing this violence, you're seeing not just that, you're you're seeing the, the senseless crimes uh, that are being committed all over the place. Even just recently, there, there's a man that we knew. That um, was a part of the church, and we knew him for years. He was he was at another church on a Sunday, and he conf- he confronted someone who was stealing a catalytic converter, and they just they shot him in the face. Thank God he survived. But you know, you're, we're looking at all of this stuff going on around us, and God is God is heartbroken. But I want to say this today. I understand there's a lot of discussions and things we could talk about. But I'm talking about the home this morning and I want to declare to you, I actually believe a lot of the problems we're seeing in society, the root of it is there's trouble in the home. And let me say this until we get concerned and address the issues we're facing in our homes, it doesn't matter what they do in the White House. You know what's going to heal the soul of this nation? What happens in the church house and what happens in your house. Because listen, you can't build jails big enough. Right? You can't legislate enough to fix the core problem. What we're seeing actually in our society right now, not just I'm not talking about just violence, I'm talking about across the board. What we are seeing is a 60-year experiment. That began with the sexual and cultural revolution, where we said we're, we don't, where God began to be pushed out of all of our uh, areas of society. We are now reaping what was sown. If you don't believe that the family is at the root of a lot of the of the crisis we're seeing in America, listen to this: the gunmen that killed those. Innocent children in Uvalde along with those precious teachers. His name was Salvador Ramos. He was 18. His father is also named Salvador. When they interviewed the father, listen to what the father said. The younger Ramos reportedly had a poor relationship with his mother and had dropped out of high school ahead of his graduation that year. Listen to this. His father admitted he had not spent much time with him lately. Because he was busy. The father's mom, his other grandma, told him. My mom tells me he probably would have shot me too if I was there. Because he would always say that I didn't love him. Now listen, what that young man did is inexcusable. There's no... Rational, rationalizing it. There's no explaining it away. I'm not. No, what he did was pure evil. But what I'm telling you is what led him to the point to even consider such things. Listen, if you think that that his home life didn't have nothing to do with it, trust me, it did. In that article, the father said the boy didn't think that his father loved him. He hadn't talked to him in a month. The mother had an estranged relationship. Even when they were interviewing the grandpa, God bless, God bless him. But he he didn't even know what was going on. My my question is where were the men? Where were his parents? Where were his uncles? Where was where was his family at? Are you with me this morning? And, I, and and they began to explain stuff that the dad with there was a violent criminal history in his dad. And then I started to see something I'm reading. I'm reading the story and I'm like, this is this is a generational bondage that kept going. And because brokenness wasn't fixed, we see the result of it. And it erupted in an 18 year old kid. But listen, in this series, I, I don't know who this is for. But I feel like I have a word from somebody. It's time to get serious about facing the things that have ran in your family. But here, I want to give you, some, I wanna give you some, some good news. Yes, there are things that we have to deal with. And listen... There, we, we all come from, no family's perfect. No upbringing is perfect. We all come from some kind of brokenness because this world is filled with sin. But listen, you you can't overlook it. You can't put a patch on it. You've got to get real. You've got you to get raw. You've got to bring it to the Lord. You've got you to gotta do what you've got to do because here's why. If you don't let God heal it, you're going to pass it on to your children. And here here's a word from somebody. In this series, I believe God's going to give you the faith and the courage you need to stand up. You need to say, "It ran into my fam- It ran in my family until it ran into me." <laughs> say, "Listen, some of you—that's a word. It ran in my family until it ran into me." See, some of you, God is calling you to be like Abraham. It, God had to call Abraham out of his context. And say, Abraham, I have something different from you. So when Abraham leaves the Ur of Chaldeans, not only does Abraham... Um, obey and change the trajectory of his life. He changed the trajectory of the generations after him. You see, some of you, if you look in your family tree, some of you are an Isaac. Your, your, your mother and your father were godly men and women. Some of you are Jacob. You have three generations of godliness. Some of you are like the sons of Jacob and there's four generations. Here's my point. It don't matter if you're Isaac, Jacob, or God's calling you to be Abraham. We have got to get serious about about our lineage, about our family tree, and what we pass to our children. But take courage, because I feel like somebody I'm speaking to today, you're like an Abraham where you are starting a new legacy with your life. Come on, turn to your neighbor. Say, neighbor, it ran in your family, but it stops at you. Because I'm telling you it is as necessary. Listen, I want you to hear me on this. I believe in government. I believe in government. It's one of the institutions that God ordained. But listen, government can't fix the core problem that we're seeing in family. Amen. But let me give you some statistics before I read. I'm just I'm setting up this series before we launch into the message today. Let me give you some statistics. It's estimated that over half of first marriages end in divorce in America, 67% of second marriages and 74% of third marriages fail. That's a lot of pain and suffering. Today, only 64% of children live in homes with two parents. In the United States, we have more than three times as many children being raised in a single parent home as Than compared to other countries. America. The United States has. um, I'm sorry. In the 1960s. Listen to this. Listen how much things have changed. In the 1960s. Remember I told you things shifted. During the sexual and cultural revolution. Before the sexual revolution. Of the 1960s. 95% of children. Were born to couples. Who were married. Today. Today. 40% 40% are born to single moms. If you grow up in, in, in a single parent home, and especially without a father, you are five times more likely to commit suicide, six times more likely to be in poverty, nine times more likely to drop out of high school, 10 times more likely to abuse uh, substances. Listen to this. 14 times more likely to commit violent crimes. And 32 times more likely to run away from home. According to a U.S. consensus, 37.1% of children in single parents' homes live below the poverty line. Living in a two-parent home reduces the chance of poverty, listen to this, by 82%. You, 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 you can't tell me the problems we're seeing Don't stem back to the home. I mean, I got so many statistics here, but I I, I think you're getting the point. I don't have to read them all. But let me tell you this. Even in Christian homes, and here's what I want to hit today. This is so important. In Christian homes, up to 70% of young people who are raised in the church will leave their faith after high school. Unfortunately, what happens is this. Some of them leave their faith and don't come back. But a lot of them leave their faith... Get into a, make a mess during their twenties and in their thirties, they have to be rescued. But I don't know about you, how many of you want to dis- disrupt that trend? And so I want, I want to give you some hope today. Can you turn with me to Exodus chapter 12? We're, we're talking about building. Someone say building, but here's another important word and Rebuilding. God can take situations, God can take circumstances and turn things around and work things in your favor. Amen. I've seen God do miracles in families, and I believe God is 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 just right now. He is highlighting the home in America. In fact, I'll go far as to say this. We will not have a transformation in America without a transformation in the home. Period. I don't care who's president. I don't care what laws they pass. Until we fix this. Exodus chapter 12. I'm entitling this this sermon today, The Lamb is for the House. Someone say, The Lamb is for the House. He said this Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be the beginning of months, it shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel. Saying this, on the 10th of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb. According to the house of his father and a lamb for his household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of of the persons. According to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. So, So there was a lamb for each house. Keep that in your thought. A lamb for each house. They were to literally sprinkle and put the blood of the lentils on the doorpost. Actually, when you look at it, it made a cross. Blood covered the points of entry. Because as as the death angel passed through Egypt, if it saw the blood, it didn't enter the home. And this was, this was representation because I want you to understand this. We all have weaknesses and the enemy tries to find ways to get in. But let me tell you something. When he sees the blood, he can't get through the blood. But I want you to see this. That when they were given this instruction, God said there's a lamb for the house. So although salvation applies to us individually, amen. Amen. God's intention was always for the house. And I want to say this right up front. I believe in all the good things we can do to help. But let me tell you something. At the core of the problem we're seeing in America, in the family, there's only one person who can solve this problem. And that's the Lamb of God. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. I got to say this. There's only one way to redemption. It's still through the Lamb of God. God identified one lamb for the house. And I want to say this right up front. The lamb is for your house. God is for you. God is for your marriage. God is for your children. God is for your relatives. God is for your prosperity in your family. But you need to understand something. The enemy is not. He's looking for ways to get in. And just like in Egypt, the death angel passed through Egypt that night. And if he saw the blood, he went on. Let me tell you something right now. There are things going on in America right now that I don't recognize. We have always dealt with stuff. This world has always dealt with stuff because since the fall of man, there has always been sin and wickedness. But let me tell you something. Wickedness is abounding in a measure. It seems to only be increasing day by day. And listen, for me, when I look out, what I see is I see a wave of death. It doesn't matter how you slice and dice it. You're seeing a wave of death. You're seeing suicides, violence. You're seeing all type of things. Because at the core of the problem is sin, right? But what does the Bible say? The wages of sin is? Show me where there's death. Spiritual death, literal death. Show me where a family has died. Show me where a marriage has died. I will find sin in that equation. Because sin always leads to And if there's ever a time that we need to be awake, we need to be aware, we need to understand what is happening. But let me build my case. Every time God does something significant in terms of redemption, it was always for the whole house. So, for example, in Passover, he says, okay, there's a lamb for a house. When God called the children of Israel out of Egypt, he didn't say, he didn't call them by individuals and say, y'all are coming out of Egypt. He said, your whole house is coming out of Egypt. Fast forward to the New Testament when the gospel has been preached and the Holy Spirit is being poured out. You'll remember it was now time for the Gentiles to receive the Holy Spirit. How many you remember the story in Acts chapter 10 with Cornelius? It says this in verse 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius. He was a centurion which, uh, of the Italian regiment. A devout man, listen, one who feared God with all his household. Who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. I I want you to see this. It's now time for the gospel to come to the Gentiles. And the Holy Spirit is about to be poured out. And what does God say? He said he found a man named Cornelius who him and his household served and feared the Lord. So God gives Peter a dream. He speaks to Cornelius and then he gives Peter a vision and sends Peter to Cornelius's house. But I want you to see something that when Peter came to Cornelius's house that day, it wasn't just Cornelius that got saved. His whole family got saved. Oh, I'm preaching right now. Every time God does something in terms of redemption, he always went for the household. Okay, I feel my help. Let me tell you why. Because what God does, I got to preach this. What God does, he doesn't do for one generation only. And as a matter of fact, God don't operate that way. He don't think in terms of generation. He thinks in terms of generations. He thinks Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jacob's 12 sons, and so on and so forth. God doesn't have a hundred year plan. God's got plans for millennium. God's got plans that go beyond your day. I think the tragedy of our time in the West is we have, we have, uh, let me, uh, I'm talking, I'm preaching to myself. So can I have the liberty to preach? We have become so much of a consumption mentality. We are so focused on the now and what I can do now and what I can get now that we have lost the ability to think beyond our day. Go to other places in the world. Go, go, go amongst a Jewish community. They're not thinking in terms of one generation. They're thinking one generation, two generation, three generation. Muslims do the same thing. China has a hundred year plan of global dominance. We have got to get back in the church of thinking generationally. It's not just what does God want to do in my lifetime. It's what, what does God want to do through my bloodline? It's for your children's children. And you remember on the day of Pentecost, as the Holy spirit was being poured out, Peter said, it's for you and your children. But you see, it's for that exact reason that I believe the enemy is going after family because see, maybe the enemy can't get you. So he'll go get your children. Because see, what started in your life was meant to be passed to them. And then to their children. So if the enemy can't get you, he goes after your seed. Because he knows the power in generational transference. In fact, let me say this. To see the transformation of America, we don't need just one generation. We need multiple generations. We need a generational synergy. That's why Malachi said this, unless the hearts of the fathers turn to the sons and the sons to the fathers. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jacob's 12 sons, it took four generations to establish a nation. I believe God wants to give us generational synergy, but to have that synergy, we have got to fight for our homes. I'm, I'm still getting warmed up. Are you with me this morning? Not only did the lamb. Not only is he for your house. The lamb protected the house. Someone say protected the house. Because protection was necessary. as death was going through the land. But listen, not only does God supernaturally protect us. How many of you are thankful for the supernatural protection of God? And this is where I want to start to preach. And I'm I'm going to to say a lot of stuff at this point in the message. So buckle your seatbelt. Not only does God want to divinely protect us. God expects and appoints us as parents. To stand in our assignment. And protect our family. Do you hear me this morning? The enemy is working over time to not only destroy family, but to destroy our children. And more than ever, we need the parents on assignment, understanding what is happening in this country. This has been so heavy on my heart. It is time to fight and contend for family again. All right the vile uh, I, some of you are aware maybe some of you are just starting to discover this if you if you haven't found this stuff out trust me it's coming it's going to affect you sooner or later hopefully later than sooner but the vile things that they are now s- trying to push on our children in school is shocking shocking i was i was dumbfounded the other day when i was i saw the news and they took a class of elementary school students to a drag queen show. Did y'all see this? Holy ghost. Help me. Cause I, I'm going to say some things. I couldn't believe what I saw. They took the kids to a drag queen sh- uh, show on a class field trip, but I was, I was shocked. So you, you saw what was obviously, A transgender or transvestite, whatever that person was, dressed in in a a dress, walking two children down this little runway, dancing and doing all this provocative stuff. And on the back of the wall, because they're in a club, remember, on the back of the wall, there's vile things written all over the wall. How many of you saw this on the news? And, and, And they're dancing and doing all this stuff for the kids. And here's what shocked me. The parents are behind them with cameras, smiling, laughing, and acting like everything's okay. And I don't know. I, I, I'm sorry. I, everyone that knows me knows I'm a very kind and loving person. But something rose up in me. And I thought to myself, you cowards. You cowards. You're going to sacrifice your children to be culturally relevant? Cowards. Because you're afraid to make a stand because the PTA at school won't like you or your neighbor will call you a bigot. You have your duty is to your family. It's to your children. You. As listen. Listen at 7 and 8 years old they're beginning to have discussions with our children my children in the year well not mine yet they're not in school yet i'm raising two little girls but they're they're beginning to have discussions with our ch- our children about choosing their gender I'm sorry, listen, you can't convince me otherwise. Seven and eight-year-olds are not thinking about their gender. They're thinking about it because you're grooming them. You're putting it into their mind. When you're seven and you're eight, you're thinking about what cartoon you're going to watch and what's for lunch and recess at school. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. This is not natural. It is grooming and it is intentional. And they are targeting our children. If you don't believe me, it's time to wake up and smell the coffee. It's happening. I saw in one country, they, they are now trying to give puberty blockers to children who say they're confused about their gender. Listen, children. When you're a child, your brain, psychologically speaking, has not even fully developed to your 18 or or plus anyway. So you're you're telling me at 7 and 8 years old, 9 years old, 10 years old, you're going to let a child whose brain is not fully developed, who's still in the process of just discovering life, you're going to let them choose their gender. And then on top of that, give them puberty blockers to block a natural process. I saw in one country where the parent wouldn't stand for it. They took the child from the parent. Listen, I'm not trying to be me, but I'm trying to tell you. See, and it's not our fight is not with people. There is a spirit. Do you hear me? It's uh, it's it's not the person you have to see God's I mean, the, the enemy is working through these people, but there's a spirit and they're obsessed Listen, they're obsessed with getting the kids because they say, if we can indoctrinate them, if we can groom them, we're going to have our way. We're going to, they want to turn this. Not only that, even with, with our children, we are seeing the over over sexualization of just about everything. It's all around you. The spirit of this age, it not only hates the word of God, it hates the nuclear family. It hates traditional values. It hates Judeo-Christian foundations. This nation is not perfect, but we are, we have had our share of problems, but one, there's been a latency and a remnant of Judeo-Christian values here. Even with all of our sin and brokenness, there's been a level of a standard in America. How many of you would agree with that? That despite our wickedness and our own sin, there's been a level of at least a, a level of godliness and righteousness, like a righteous indignation. But we're seeing that begin to be stripped away. And so let, let me say this as a pastor, because I need to set this up right. I, I want everyone to love God, but I can't make everyone love God. So in America, we live in a democracy, not a theocracy, a democracy. So I want every adult to love God, but I can't force them. So here's been my stance always. I love sinners. Because I am one. And Christ loves me. I love them. I'm not going to intentionally harass or hate anybody. I'm going to preach the gospel, and if you ask me my opinion, I'm going to tell you my opinion. But listen, I'm not going, it's not like I'm on a a crusade to attack, if you know what I'm saying. Because how I feel is this, God has has to lead them. I'm going to preach it, and if you ask me my opinion, I'm going to tell you. But I'm I'm not on a witch hunt. Because we live in a democracy, meaning as an autonomous adult, you have free will. What you do in the privacy of your own home, that's between you and God. I want you to be saved, but I can't force you to do the right thing. And so in the past, there's been like boundaries. Okay. Okay. In a democracy, you're free to do what you want. Fine. I don't agree with it. I'll pray for you, but I can't force you. Right. But. It's, it's not that way anymore. It's not like, Hey, you do you, but you, you know, let me be, and I'll let you be. It's now there's a line that's been crossed. Because what's happened is in our schools and in the different sects of government and different things like that, what they're doing is they're now trying to go around the parent and into the children's life. And what they've done is they've crossed a line because, see, you do you out there. You're an adult. You make your choices. But the minute you cross this line and come after my children it's a different ballgame. The game has changed. So This has gotten so bad that the governor of Florida, despite what you think of his politics, he had to pass a law. Because they were getting so aggressive with this in school. He had to pass a law that they would at least wait till third or fourth grade to talk to the kids about this stuff. The third or fourth grade. And people are upset. If you're upset that they pass the law that you can't talk about this stuff with children, there's not something wrong with the law. There's something wrong with you. <laughs> Congress right now is trying to scramble and pass legislation that you can't bring children to, to drag queen shows. That's where we're at. Are you with me? I was, I've been talking, having conversations this week. It's insane that we have to be here. This used to be common sense. But what they're doing is they're infringing on the rights of parents. Here, here, here's what's even worse to me. Not only are, are society t- beginning to infringe, not only on the rights of parents, the authority of parents. Because I want to tell you something. God has placed you in that child's life to be their authority. They may not like you all the time. They may get mad at you. It don't matter as, 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 as awesome as that teacher is or that government official or that whatever. They are not the parent. You are the not only the legal authority in that child's life. You are the spiritual authority of that child. And As a matter of fact, God has given you custodianship of that child to raise and admonish them in the things of the Lord. So not only are they infringing on the rights of a parent, here's what's even worse. They're destroying the innocence of our children. They're mocking God, but they've been doing that for a long time. Now they're infringing on your rights as a parent. Then they're taking a step further and they're actually taking our children's childhood from them. This has been so heavy on my heart because I'm raising two little girls. I told my wife, I don't live in fear, but I'm concerned. I said, I told, I told Maddie, I said, Maddie, I'm concerned about the context. We have got to be on our A game as best ability to the best of our ability. We have got to protect our girls. We've got to look after our girls because this week. I thought about Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 18, verse 6. I want you to hear. And see, this is the Jesus that people don't like. Everyone loves the Jesus who's eating with sinners. Everyone loves the Jesus who's healing the sick. But what about this Jesus? But whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to sin. I feel this. It would be better for him if a milestone was hung around his neck... And thrown into the depths of the sea. Because God says, okay, you have free will. You can go do what you want to do. But the minute you cross the line. And you infringe on the life of a child. And you steal their innocence. God, J- Jesus, as God says, it would be better for you to hang a stone on your neck. And throw yourself into the sea. Because what you have now done is you have crossed a line. And and I I sat this week and I thought about this scripture and literally I just began to weep and I think about these children who are being corrupted. I was a child once. I never thought about these things. They are thinking about these things because they're being told these things and taught these things and these things are being pushed on them through social media, through school, through my God, we can't, now, we, now we have to pay double attention to the shows we're watching because it's sneaking in. A father was talking to me before this next service. He said, I had to stop letting her watch Elmo. Here, here's what I'm saying. They're, they are making no apologies for being aggressive and coming after our children. We have got to make a stand and make no apologies for standing for righteousness and defending our families. Listen, it don't matter what your neighbors think, it don't matter what the school board thinks. At a certain point, you've got to stand up and say, as the priest of my home, as the spiritual authority of my children, you have got to stop. Back up. Not this family, not my children. You're not going to steal my child's innocence. You're not going to confuse them. And you're not going to disrupt the inheritance. You see, because that's what's happening again. I'll bring it back to this. That's what he's after anyway. He's either trying to get the kids aborted or he's trying to get them confused. But I'm going to tell you something. This also makes me excited because the God must be doing something for the enemy to be working overtime on our kids. I'm going to tell you what I think is happening. I'm going to tell you what I think is happening. I got the sense that like when, when, when Moses was born, I feel the anointing. When Moses was born, the enemy knew it. And Pharaoh went to try to kill all of the Hebrew children. Why? Because the enemy is smart enough to know God's got a plan. Remember, he's always after the seed. Because what God is doing is generational. And so you look at what's happening. Let me tell you what I think is happening. I think we're on the precipice of the greatest outpouring of the Holy Spirit we have ever seen. And I think the enemy has showed all of his cards in his deck. He's been fully exposed and he's being exposed right now. If you didn't know, now you know. Because here's what I believe. God is doing something in the earth. Let me say it like this. Lou Engel said it the best I've said it. What God is pouring out in the earth is stronger than the rebellion. And here's the thing it's, it's for you and your children's children. And so, what you've got to do is you've got to recognize the time, like Peter said, you've got to be vigilant, you've got to be sober minded, and you've got to say, I'm going to fight tooth and nail for my kids, I'm going to fight tooth and nail for my family, I'm going to pass on a legacy. They are not going to miss out on their inheritance. They are not going to be confused about what gender they are or who they are. And anyone that tries to come and snatch them, they're going to have to come through me. I want to give you a charge today. I know I'm preaching. Listen, as a father, I have been burdened with this. So I think about those children. You see, I'm a millennial now. See, millennials, we're in our 30s now. We're raising kids. But Gen Z, right behind me, they have the highest suicide rate of any generation. But I want, I want to prophesy something over Gen Z. God is starting to move in Gen Z. I'm telling you. You watch what happens with Gen Z. Because I, they're, they're starting, see, Gen Z's tried everything by the time they're like 16. And they're realizing really quick, is this all there is? But I'm going to tell you, it's going to backfire because there's a remnant that God's raising up in Gen Z. I promise you. Guess what? And they not be, they're, they're not, right now, they're not preaching from the pulpits. They're preaching on TikTok. They're preaching on Instagram. They're preaching on Facebook. I know some of them. I know some Gen Zers who got 5 million, 6 million, 7 million followers preaching the gospel on the daily because what the enemy meant for evil, God will turn it for good. And so I, don't, I, I just want to be a church that not only believes in one generation, but we want to call the generations to rise up. Gen Z will belong to Jesus. I believe that. But I want to give you this charge. Are you with me this morning? I want to give you this charge out of Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is for all of us fathers, mothers, family. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command to you shall be in your heart. You shall, listen, teach them diligently to your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk. By the way, and when you lie down and when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your home and on the uh, 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 doorpost of your house and on your gates. Parents, more than ever before. We've got to teach our children the word. But listen, this is so important. This is so important. We got to teach the word, but we got to live the word. We've got to live. Listen, parents, I'm a parent. We, we face stuff. We got our own challenges. God knows you're not perfect, and he doesn't expect you not to mess up. Here's what I'm saying. But when you do your best, he will give you the grace to represent Christ to your family. You, if you give him your obedience, he will give you the grace you need. There are times where I'm having a discussion with my wife, and I'm starting to talk to her some kind of way, and God checks me and says, hey, buddy, your kids are watching you. Watch how you talk to your wife. And I say, oh God, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Listen, you, we've got to live it in the house. Don't come to church and do one thing in front of your kids and then go home and do something else. Live it everywhere you are. Teach them the things of God. Talk, talk to them about your testimony. Tell them about the things that God has done in your family. Tell them about what they did in your grandparents and your great grandpa. Tell them about the rich spiritual legacy that you have. Talk to them about the things of God. And while I'm at it, can I speak to grandparents? This was a word. I don't know if this is a word for a grandparent in this room. I don't know what service you were at. But God wants me to tell you, grandparents, you are needed more than ever. You may be retired. But you're not retired from the ministry to your family. Because some of you, grandparents, you are the matriarch and the patriarch of that family. And listen, sometimes your kids aren't acting right. I don't care how old they are. Sometimes you need to call them and tell them, son, daughter, I brought you into this world. <laughs> I'll take you out and make another one just like I'm just saying. No, listen. Don't you be afraid to call them and say, son, daughter, you need to get it together, not just for you, but for my grandkids, for my children. I left you an inheritance, and you have a calling on your life, and you've got to pass it on to these grandkids. Listen, grandparents, I'm here today by the grace of God and because of the influence of my grandparents. Not just my parents and family. My grandparents are the matriarch and the patriarch of our family. Grandparents. You are needed more than ever. Don't you give up. Don't you stop opening your mouth. They may get mad and they may not call you back for a week, but you keep talking. You keep praying. You keep interceding. And I got to close. Are you with me this morning? The other thing the lamb did, and I'm out of time. The other thing that the lamb did is the lamb brought deliverance. To the entire family. All of us. Like I said. All of us. None of us. None of our families. Are untainted from sin or brokenness. But here's the good news. It may take time. It may even take. A generation. But the lamb. Can deliver you. He can deliver your family. He can heal your family. He can restore your family. But here's what you got to do. Here's what you got to do. We're coming to a time I don't know what's coming over me today We're coming to a time Where the middle ground in Christianity Is disappearing Yeah it's gone And I'll tell you what helped ex- expedite it It was the pandemic The middle ground is gone It's not It's not a time to play church It's not a time to play with God or be in and out Because it's it, not only is it, It's not good for you It's not good for your family But here's what you gotta do You you, you gotta get serious we We can't play games with this Because you look around and you say God, look at all this mess But listen, we've been here before The world goes through cycles It says in Luke chapter 17 verse 26 As it was in the days of Noah So it will be In the days of the son of man In another part he talks about When the son of man returns It will be like it was in the days of Noah It was so bad in the days of Noah that God had to flood the earth. It's not the first time the world has seen an onslaught of wickedness. But what did did Noah do? God commanded him to build an ark. And listen to this. Genesis chapter 7. Then the Lord said to Noah, come into the ark. You and all your. Come on, say it again. You and all your. Scholars tell us his his sons were fully grown, like in their 20s, 30s, maybe even 40s. He didn't say, we're going to have a discussion. He said, boy number one, boy number two, boy, boy number, your families, get them in the boat. You know, when Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Do you know that his sons were full grown? But he said, me and my house will serve the Lord. He says, get them into the ark. And that ark is a type and a shadow of Christ. Hear me. The only ark that is going to save our families in this time is Christ. We have got to get ourselves and our families rooted in Christ. And when your home is rooted in Christ you may it won't be perfect. You're going to deal with stuff. You're going to deal with teenagers. You're going to deal with your own stuff. But listen when you're rooted in Christ God will begin to bear fruit in that place by the grace of God. Listen you're not going to be perfect but when people come to your home. Listen. When people come to my home I want them to say man there's peace here. There's joy here. There's laughter here. Man, I feel, I feel family here. I, I'm here to tell you, your home does not always have to be strife and violence and anger and resentment and the lack of joy. God wants your house to be a refuge, a place of peace, a place of wholeness. God wants your home to be a place of what the scripture says, shalom. Shalom. I'll never forget spending a night in Israel. We spent the night uh, a dinner with the Jewish family. And when they greet each other on the Sabbath, they would, they come into their home and say, Shabbat, Shalom. And Shalom doesn't mean just peace. It actually means nothing is missing. Some of you need to speak that over your home. I speak Shalom, wholeness. Lacking nothing. Why? Because if if you're in Christ and your home is in Christ, there may be stuff going on around you. But you've got to declare, I'm lacking nothing. This is a place. Whatever we need, Christ will supply. Whatever we need healed, Christ can heal. Get your family in Christ. And then your home, even your home, as it were, becomes like an ark. Or when your children are out in the world and they're seeing stuff and all that. But when they get home, they go. They feel safe. They feel loved. They're prophesied over. The word is spoken over them. And trust me, because Proverbs tells us, train up a child in the way they should go. And when they're older, they will not depart. They may get crazy for a while, hopefully not. But they will not be able to depart from the deposits that you make. I want you to stand to your feet with me. I'm going to end with this. I want you to hear this. This is so important. Whenever the Passover happened, So not only did the family The lamb was for the house But they were instructed to You know how to um, eat the Passover meal So If you can picture during Passover The lamb actually brought the whole family together Right But also what happened as a consequence of this The lamb became The focus of the family They interviewed They did research I told you a while ago that up to 70% of youth will leave the church after high school they interviewed the other 25% who stayed in church listen to what they said the 25% of young people who didn't leave the church, who stayed in the church and raised their kids in the church here's what they said here's what was different they discovered the kids who stayed in church ate dinner with their family at least 5 days a week You know, it's crazy. I, I told earlier, I always feel like I'm talking about tables in all my sermons. But there's something, no, but seriously speaking, there's something sacred about that dinner table. Jesus ate meals with his disciples, and that's where a lot of significant moments took place. In America, we've got to recapture the dinner table. I know it's not convenient. I know it's the same way in my house. The temptation is. The the game's on in this room. They're watching the show in that room. You come fix a plate. No, 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 no. Reclaim that dinner table. You tell your kids they may not like it. Everyone's turning in their phone for an hour and a half. Everyone's turning off the TV. We're going to eat dinner as a family. So they discover they ate dinner at least five times a week. Listen to this. The kids who remained in church, they served with their families in a ministry in the church. The, the kids also had at least one spiritual experience in the home during the week. You don't, the first place you bring your kids to be discipled and trained is not the church, it's the home. When you bring your kids here, our job is to come alongside of you. And to help teach them and disciple them. But you're, you're their first in spiritual influence. You're the first line of, not just defense, offense. You're the first line of teaching your kids the things of God. I may be their pastor, but I can't be their parent. And guess what? I wouldn't try to be because I could never be their parent. Amen. At least one spiritual experience in the home during the week. They had at least one faith-focused adult outside of their parents in their lives. Hello, that's why it's important to raise them up in the house of God. Where other believers can also come around your children. You know, in church we'll say, that's my uncle. And it's not really your uncle, but it is your uncle. You know what I'm saying? That's my big brother. That's my big uncle. How y'all related? Y'all ain't even the same color. That's my uncle. That's That's my second dad. I know what I'm talking about. Some of the family bonds in the spiritual, in the, spiritually speaking, are sometimes stronger than the ones in the natural. And then they found that they were also entrusted with some level of responsibility in ministry at an early age. I, I'll, I'll make this commitment. Raise your children in the house of God. And in our children's ministries, in our youth ministries, and all of our ministries, we will make sure we empower them. Not just to be there, but to do something. If you go, I promise you, it won't be long. You bring your kids and they'll be leading in those classrooms. They'll be leading in that gym. We will do, we'll do everything we can to come alongside of you and raise these children up. amen I gotta have my, our, our altar workers join me I want to pray for us before we leave but here's what I want to leave you with something I've been feeling convicted about as a father myself you know a lot of times if you're like me how many of you have made that statement I would die for my children I mean you've said that before I would die for my children I love my children and that's amazing but every decent human being would die for their child Here's that's not the question to ask the question to ask is not would you die for your child? It's will you live for your children? I, I'm, because I may be willing to die for them, but am I willing to lay down my life? Am I willing to live for a day beyond my day? Am I willing to live my life, not just for my lifetime, but to, so I can leave something to my children, so I can pass on a legacy, so I can, I can develop this family tree, so that I can be faithful to what God has given me for my children's children? Will I take on the responsibility of protecting and fighting for my family, I want to pray. So here's what I want to do. I want to ask, please, if you if you're a mom and dad, or you're here, is a family unit. Would you please come join me? I want to call you first. Please come join me at this altar, and we're going to pray today. Is she okay? You you guys want to come forward real quick? Could you guys stretch your hands in this direction? Jesus. Whatever you're doing. Stay right there. We're going to minister to her. Put your hands lifted all across this room. in this room or you're watching online and you've never received the Lord, just just wave at me. And you want to receive him, wave at me. I see you. I see you. Inspire Church, pray this with me before I pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, online, dear Heavenly Father, I repent of my sin. Wash me in the blood. Forgive me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I make a decision to follow you. All the days of my life. Save me, Lord. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's give them a hand clap. But, families, let me pray for you. Lift up your hands, mom, dad, grandparents. Father, I'm praying right now. For families. And I just feel led to, to hit this again in the spirit. Father, whatever needs to be dealt with in our generational bloodline, Father, would you begin to deal with it in this season? Every every root of sin, every root of brokenness, bitterness. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I just felt prompted to tell somebody what's stopping you from your deliverance is you haven't forgiven them yet. Right now it's God speaking to somebody, you have to you have to forgive them first. And then you need to understand they treated you that way because they were treated that way and didn't know any better. That's the cycle. Sin begets sin. Brokenness begets brokenness. Pain begets more pain. But God says, I can not only heal you, I can begin a healing process in your family. Would you close your eyes with me? I, I want to ask you to do something bold, just because I, I I feel Holy Spirit is really moving. Every eye is closed, so no one's embarrassed. Who, who who is that that I'm talking to? There's a root root of bitterness, and there needs to be uh, forgiveness. God is speaking. Just keep wave at me. I see it. Let me tell you why the the Lord is so compassionate towards that. But He says you got to forgive not only for you, but but. Because if you keep speaking from that wound, you will, you will pass that wound on to the kids. So right now, by the grace of God, just release it to him. Release, forgive, release that person, even if you got to speak it out loud. God, in in this room right now, every eye closed. Come on, let's lift up our hands. The Holy Spirit's doing something. Lord, right now I'm praying for every family that is at this altar, God. For those who are facing challenges, God. For those who are facing turmoil, God. For those who 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 are going through some things right now. Holy Spirit, right now, would you touch this family? Would you come around and surround them, God? Would you do such a work in them where you bring them together in this moment? Where they can hear, you know, some, I feel so strong. Some of you are saying, God just wants to bring you together. you need to hear something different. You need to hear a word of hope. You need God to speak over you. You need to have hope again. Some of you don't have hope that your marriage can make it. Some of you don't have hope that the that situation is going to get fixed. And God is saying, come, I want to speak over your family. God, would you strengthen these parents, God? Would you strengthen them in this season, God? Because as parents, God, we're dealing with our own stuff. We're dealing with our own fears, our, our own, the, 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 all the things we're overwhelmed with. And on top of that, a parent has a responsibility to, God, I know that responsibility can be heavy, God. But I'm praying for grace, grace, where we are weak, where we fall short, God, your grace empowers us, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We thank you that we are in a season of revival in the home. Hearts of the fathers to the children, children to the fathers. Restoration. And God, right now we pray over our kids. Come on. I need somebody to pray and intercede. We pray over our children right now, God. We know we're not ignorant. We know that they're going to face challenges. We know we can't keep them from everything. But God, would you keep them from as much as possible? Would you guard them, God? Would you guard them, God? Give, give parents supernatural discernment, supernatural insight, God. Father, concerning their children, God, give them wisdom. Give them strategies, God. God, give them a love. I'm praying even that. I know we love our kids, but God, give us a fresh Love for our kids, where we care not just for their well-being, but for their soul, for their destiny, for their purpose, God. Give us an eternal perspective. Give us a generational perspective for our families, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. want to declare this as we leave today, we will see the transformation in America that we want to see when God has his way in the church and in the home, in the church and in the home. Thank you, Father. I bless your people. This is what I'm going to do. The the Holy Spirit is just moving. Sensitive moment. If you feel led to stay and we're we're here to pray, please feel free to to stay and linger. If there's anything we can pray with you about. But if you have to go, I want to dismiss you. But God, thank you so much for this service today. I bless your people, God. I bless what you're doing. Throughout this whole series, even these coming months, I thank you for the work that you're going to do in families. The work you're going to do in marriages the restoration and reversals that we're going to see in your mighty name. Love you so much, Inspire Church. Thank you.